So while I was eating lunch uh, before going to see a movie, I was at a sushi bar and I was reading the story that uh, live action Pinocchio coming out, Disney confirmed, with Robert Zemeckis to direct. Best known for Back to the Future, Castaway, and Forrest Gump, which I did not know that he directed Castaway, which is super cool. And uh, just such an out there director, not because he's not famous, but because he's kind of those nostalgia directors we haven't heard from in a long time. And definitely the biggest director that Disney has on uh, a remake like this. I, I think it's super interesting, John. Uh, for him to come out and do this for Disney with most or uh, like most of these remakes being between an hour and an hour and a half long like or the originals being an hour and an hour and a half long of these old Disney movies and Pinocchio's an hour and a half long so they'll have to embellish it a little bit more to pad time for the younger viewers it's just it's just insane to me that Robert's coming out for this the Zemeckis the Zemeckis. The Zemeckis. I... And his and his <laughs> companion, the Zemeckis Cube from Ready Player One. He's Zemeckin his way back into our hearts. I think this is saying a lot about the type of story they want to tell with this. Because, I mean, if they wanted to just remake Pinocchio shot for shot and do it in just a fun way with a few dark moments, I, I don't think they would have had to get somebody of this caliber. But I think at least my... My first impression from this news is that they want to go big with it and that they want to make it maybe a little bit more character driven. Because um, when you think about like Castaway and Forrest Gump, especially, it's following that single person throughout a big journey in their lives and really seeing them grow from point A to point B. And I can't believe I'm saying that about or comparing Forrest Gump to Pinocchio, but <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like, I. I think it's it's good news that they got somebody like him for it, and it means that he saw the script, or at least heard the pitch, and is excited about where they want to take it. Um, whoa, so whoa, I, whoa! You speak in form. Do you think he's really excited? Okay, so the money was probably making him really excited. He's like, um, excuse me, Disney. How many numbers is that? Uh, that would be nine, Mister Zemeckis. Perfect. <laughs> that a little Simpsons moment there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah man i mean it does that make does that make you excited to see him kind of back at the helm for like a film like this potentially i don't know if it makes me excited but i do know that it makes me kind of have more faith in the film to be a better remake than what we've had uh because uh as far as remakes goes and i know we've talked about this a little bit uh my favorite movie, my favorite overall Disney movie, discounting the Star Wars films, is got to be The Jungle Book. Um, and I'm talking about the original one. So when they remade it, um, I was very delighted, very happy, and the story wasn't beat for beat the same. Now, when it comes to the other remakes, I think they still have more left to desire, and that's why I think The Jungle Book, as it stands right now, is the best remake that they've done, but... I also think that Mulan has the chance to be the next big remake that they do that people are like, oh, it's actually a good film and not kind of boring. I think these these remakes are having identity crises where they want to be different, but they also 
can't escape the mold that they're in to where the adults are like, I've heard the same story before. Go on ahead. Tell me a joke. It's just it's it's it seems kind of mundane and rather uh, just going going through the motions, kind of like a nine to five job when it comes to these remakes. And I really do think Zemeckis will make it his own and different from the original Pinocchio, which is what I want. Yeah, and I mean, I've said this before on the podcast. I I kind of see remaking movies the same way I do about song covers, in that if you're just going to basically do the exact same thing as the original, but you just want to capitalize on that song, just don't do it. There, it's no. a waste. The, the only justification, I think, to remake an existing IP is to sell a new kind of story through it, um, which it... I don't know. I, we could be completely wrong here. And he may just do another shot for shot remake because that's what Disney po- probably wants. But I hope that they allow it to be a little bit darker, maybe a little bit more for the older crowd. I don't want this to really be aimed at 13 year old kids. Like I want this to be something that the older audience members are a little bit more familiar with and that connect with more. Um, and I want, I want the direction they take it to be darker and, uh, a lot more of like an intimate one-on-one personal growth kind of story and i hope it's not campy and just silly like a lot of the original cartoon was yeah but do you think that's the direction disney's going to take it like i know that's what you want but where where do you see them the producers and disney taking this Oh, I, I see them kind of playing it safe and starting to introduce darker themes, but then countering it with comedy and just, like I said, just playing it safe, not really going the full distance that they could with it, but still making close to a billion dollars because it's Robert Zemeckis and it's Disney and that's what they do. Mm, that's really good insight. I think what you said about going darker with themes, they're not doing it for Pinocchio. They're doing it for Bambi. Oh, oh my god uh, dude i can't believe you, that they're doing bambi too you know why i say they're going to be doing it for bambi because of the dwayne the rock johnson thing on saturday night live no because bambi wasn't shot bambi was oh. hit by a by a semi yeah oh, is that is that going to be in the uh the live action uh, it might or it might be in the snyder cut we'll find out later welcome to the summit up podcast This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever the heck we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. I'm joined by my good friend here, John, and I'm Chris, and we are your co-hosts for the day. John, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, if you didn't know, we put out a review for The Witcher Season 1, so if you get a chance, go ahead and check that out. Uh, we should have it up uh, uh, it's around the same time as this uh, podcast. So, uh, yeah, see our our wonderful thoughts on that and my stupid takes, and we'll go from there. Although I think everyone could come together and say that we love Henry Cavill. Just a beautiful man. Charismatic, oh, what wonderful. A, just a class act. Class act, yes. Salt uh, of the earth. Salt of the earth. There it is. Salt of the earth, gentlemen. Uh, but today's story... One of them is definitely not salt of the earth. Just yeah. salt. Yeah, this is mostly salt. I'm going to let you take this away because this is your story. And I love Salty John. 
It's like oh god. It's like just oh, it's like a hungry man. It's like a hungry man a uh, frozen dinner. Just so much sodium. I love it. <laughs> All right, so I want to I want to just take a minute and kind of look and compare what Kevin Feige has become and who Kathleen Kennedy has become. We're not and without doing a single Star Wars thing. Kevin Feige is more liked than Kathleen Kennedy in the Star Wars, in the oh, Star Wars community. It's, Think of it. It's, it's crazy. so crazy. Cool. So the news broke that the Kenobi series has been put on an indefinite indefinite delay because of script rewrites, um, which does not mean that it's going to be pushed back. The release because they haven't even given us a release date. We just know it's coming out in 2021. That could mean January or that could mean December. Who knows? Mm. So um, Ewan McGregor has already come out and said. It's still coming out in 2021. We're not delaying it. We're just making the best thi- thing that we could possibly make. And that what I ha- what Ewan McGregor has seen has been really great, but they're just going to make it better. Um, and I think if, if this has happened before uh, The Force Awakens ca- had come out, I think we would be like, all right, cool. They wanted to make this thing the best it can be, and I respect it. But after all of the... Uh, Wait, do you mean The Force Awakens or The Rise of Skywalker? No, The Force Awakens, because we have to go way back. Wow. Yeah. I think that their intentions are right, and that I think it's a good thing that they're trying to do some quality control with what they can now. Uh, Because, they, I mean, face it, they weren't able to do that kind of thing with The Rise of Skywalker when they lost Colin Trevorrow, or when they fired him, whatever. Um because the release of the rise of skywalker was tied to a wing at a thing park opening that they had to make that deadline they couldn't push it back they couldn't uh take an extra six months for script rewrites they had to get jj abrams back who already knew enough about the lore to just hit the ground running and he had three months to do any of the rewrites that he wanted to and completely remake the story into what it became so with this news that they're actually taking the time to try and tell the story right, fans have just erupted and are getting pissed off at Kathleen Kennedy and they're blaming her for everything and calling for her head basically on a pike and a little bit more exaggerated tones. And I, you don't see this kind of thing with Kevin Feige and that blows my mind. I mean, with, with, with the Rise of Skywalker and them not being able to take their time with it like they should have, the fans were kept, kept saying... We need more time. This needs to be better. And now that they are taking their time with it to make it better, fans are going the other way. And they're saying, no, why isn't this coming out now? I want my stuff. Even with The Mandalorian, you look at a show like that, that is basically universally loved and such a part of the cultural zeitgeist now that all of that praise is going to Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. Mm. It's, It's not going back to Kathleen Kennedy at all, even though she's the president of Lucasfilms. It's a good point. But... Yeah, she I mean she should take some of the credit for the success of of a show under her umbrella. I she don't She should in in that regard then she should take all the blame for all the failures that go on within Lucasfilm as far as product coming out to the fans. Yes, and I don't think she's going to make it past I don't think she's going to make it uh to see her contract renewed. Um I've said towards the end of 2020 it might be 2021 when her contract does uh expire. Who knows, but she's not making it to the next Star Wars trilogy. I can tell you that. But when you when you look at somebody like Kevin Feige, uh, 
that has basically done no wrong in the eyes of fans. Uh, yet, when he became the um, the creative director over all of Marvel, all of the comics, all of TV, all of uh, the movies, everything, mm-hmm. he basically started wiping the slate clean. Um, and I've got a list here of a bunch of, pro- of projects that were either in production, had a season out already, or were starting pre-production. Um, he canceled the Ghost Rider spinoff uh, with Robbie Reyes. That looked incredible. Canceled Cloak and Dagger uh, after a couple seasons of that. There was a show that was coming out on Freeform called New Warriors, uh, which had characters like Squirrel Girl and a few other people that he canceled that before it even got going. Uh, Damage Control, which was hinted at in Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, Next, uh, Legion on Fox, which was pretty pretty well liked among a lot of fans and a, a really interesting take on the mutants. Um, that was canceled. All five of the uh, Netflix Marvel shows canceled. Hellstrom, which was uh, more of a horror type of spinoff they were trying to do on Hulu in the same vein as Ghost Rider, canceled. Um, the Runaways <laughs> on Marvel, or not on Marvel, on Hulu, also canceled. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is going into its seventh season, um, is wrapping I, up. And I it, can't believe it has seven seasons. I My mean, God. There were some good moments. Well, there were some. Um, Obviously they, not good enough to pull me in. I'm just saying. That's fair. And then <laughs> they announced um, another series of shows on Hulu that were coming out. Uh, it was Howard the Duck, Tiger and Dazzler, Hitmonkey, and Modoc. Uh, and all four of those shows were eventually going to tie in together to um, create the Offenders Um kind of like the defenders or the avengers but like a more uh kind of like goofy and cartoony take on some kind of b-list d-list really uh marvel heroes and villains um I Modoc, have no issues with this <laughs> modok and hitmonkey are both going on for season one but then they'll be canceled and howard the duck and tiger and dazzler are both canceled before they even get off the ground so you look at all these shows all of the families, all of the crew members, the characters that were on these shows, done. Completely canceled. People lost their jobs. Like, somebody should be mad about that for original content that some, a lot of which was pretty good. Basically done away with in the name of streamlining one unified direction of the MCU and the tie-ins on Disney+. And I get that. I mean, it makes sense to have everything be under the same universe and same umbrella to be able to tell one unified story. So I understand why he did it, but you have somebody who's canceled and done away with a lot more projects than Kathleen Kennedy ever did. And when she made the the when she made the call to bring in Ron Howard on Solo again. One project like that was all it took for everybody to just completely turn on her. So it it just blows my mind to compare these two heads of studios, basically, and how one can make one small decision compared to Kevin Feige's multitude of decisions. And we as an audience can just keep justifying what he's been doing. And I'm not saying it's not warranted or that I don't love Kevin Feige because I do. I don't want to keep getting my Marvel stuff. I'm addicted. I need it. But, but <laughs> I, I, I think there should be more comparison between the two 
And I think that we should take a step back from all of the vitriol that we've been given towards Kennedy and really uh, kind of look at ourselves and, and see why this is all happening and why can't we, I don't know, why can't we look at this a little bit differently? Um, which again, so I, I'm sorry, that's my long rant. Um, well, I, uh, well, with your long rant, I can, I can answer that question you just posed about why can't we compare, why can't we compare them? You know, why, yeah. why, why are we acting like this is apple to oranges when it's apples to apples? Um, I, I, I think I have my answer, uh, for you, uh, prepared. Yes. And it, it's one of those things where it's like, where do they come from? Kathleen Kennedy has been a producer in the movie industry. She's used to being a producer, getting things for the general audiences. Uh, she has a very long list uh, that I don't have in front of me right now, but I know they include things like from the 80s, 90s. She's been with uh, Lucas for a long time, George Lucas in particular. Uh, so I, I won't, I won't uh, discredit that from her. She is a fantastic producer. As a creative, Kevin Feige came from a different way. Uh, was a producer for Marvel and Marvel executives, and this is in the early 2000s. Marvel executives are so pro are so impressed with his knowledge of the lore, his knowledge of uh, the continuity of stories that they actually promote him into the producer role for major stuff. And eventually, we get to his role in 2007 when he takes over. As the, I believe it's for Marvel Studios, he becomes the president. And it's one of those things where you got to think about uh, that although they are in similar, similar roles as creators for companies, they are very two different styles of management. And I say that as someone who's like, you know, and I think everyone can relate to this who listens, when you're at a job and you have two different bosses, uh, more than likely they have two different styles and there's going to be a style that you know no matter if you think the person's a jerk no matter person you think that they're the sweetest thing in the world and they got your back you can notice that they have two different upbringings they have two different styles despite both having to operate under the same rules and that's where i think we get kathleen kennedy and kevin feige now, Kathleen Kennedy is not uh, a lore keeper. Kevin Feige is. He's very knowledgeable about the Marvel Universe, and he wants it to go into one direction. And that's my issue with Kathleen Kennedy is that she has a committee uh, brainstorming team, and she talks with them to do their things, but she is not the expert. She is not the the forte. She... she she isn't laying down things that make sense. When she says bring back uh, Emperor Palpatine to Episode Nine, that would be the equivalent of Kevin Feige be like, "All right, I know we're in Endgame, uh, right at this last battle. Let's bring in Ultron." It makes yeah. no sense. It, it takes away from those stories, and yet he brings uh, Kevin Feige brings all of these characters together into this final moment. Endgame, very difficult thing to do. He does not make a screw up like Kathleen Kennedy did bringing in Palpatine. Um, and if you bring in Palpatine, you got to do it in a certain way. I think a force ghost would have been better, but we could talk about this for hours. I think that's the major <laughs> thing. That is my difference in comparing these two giants of figures. And that's why I think Kevin Feige gets a, gets a pass because he is knowledgeable about the, the items 
that show you care. And it's not that I think Kathleen Kennedy um, doesn't completely care. I just think she's doing the job in the way she, she's used to. And in this day and age, when there's social media, when I could tell, uh, when I could tell that someone cares about a project by looking at their Twitter, their Instagram, their Facebook, all of the interviews they've done in one month across like uh, 60 media times or whatever it might be, new media pieces put out their stories, the world has a much closer look into what, into into your. Uh, buy-in into a project and i don't think we get that with kathleen kennedy and that's why i think when you say take a step back for me personally i have taken that step back and i am able to see that that's why i trust kevin feige and it's why um to our point when we talk about her 2021 contract being up in uh in a year it will be up and she will not get an extension or at least that's what fans hope for well then let me ask you this so do you think that say we say kathleen kennedy was different and that she was super knowledgeable and she was passionate she believed in in what she was doing in the projects and was fully supportive of the creators and everything behind them but she was still making poor decisions behind the behind the scenes uh bringing in palpatine unwarranted it's seemingly um and changing directors at the last minute on solo doing all the things that have happened under her watch would you would you think that people would still react the same way even if she had that passion and that dedication and the knowledge but still made the same the same decisions oh we've already seen it john it happened to george for the prequels people as soon as the went going through the prequels until until a little bit after the Revenge of the Sith was released, or before Revenge of the Sith was released to the greater public and all of that stuff, people were vilifying George Lucas. You know, they tore apart his movies, the prequels, the things he made. But the difference between George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy is that he came out and said, these are for kids. And it's true. I loved the prequels growing up. I played... Uh, the video games, the extensive video games that there were that made me love the series so much. You know, I loved all the, I loved the Lego sets that came from Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones, a terrible movie I can notice <laughs> now, but I grew up with it. And it was so cool, so new, but he came out and said, these are for children. You know, when Kathleen Kennedy says she's doing all this stuff, she's not saying, well, it, it, these are kids movies. I'm not getting that from her. I'm not getting that explanation. She's. I'm not hearing a great line. It's like, we wanted to be witty with things we were doing. You know, we're doing it for the kids. You know, we're setting up this sense of redemption with Kylo Ren. I don't get any of that. You know? Yeah. We, we no. don't, we don't, we don't get that because that shows, that shows to me that it's someone who in their jo- job is, is like, it's when someone tells you, hey, uh, let's say you're a stock clerk at a grocery store, wink, wink, um, oh, for man. you and for me as well. And you set up a shelf a different way. If someone comes over and says, Hey, you did this wrong. And you come back with, well, I meant to do it this way because of this, 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 and this. And the person goes, Oh, okay. Well, this is why we do this. And you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Or it could be the boss says, hey, you did this wrong, and you start to explain, and you're like, listen, I don't care. Or 
your explanation back to this person is like, why did you do it this way? And they're just like, and you just say, because this is the way I wanted it. And it's just arrogant. And th- there seems to be a lack of communication. And that seemed that that is that is what I see. Like, we've seen this example before, John. It's just we're we're getting it from we're just getting it for someone I don't necessarily believe in. That's fair. That's that's a really good point with George Lucas. Um, so let me ask you something as far as her replacement goes. Um, and we've talked before on a previous episode about wanting potentially John Favreau to take over for her, um, because of his experience as a director and a producer and, uh, his mm-hmm. knowledge with what he's done with the Mandalorian. Um, so there's, there's that side of, of maybe voting for him as, as her replacement, do you think that we should go with that experience and the knowledge side of it? Or do you think we should go with the more production side of it with someone like uh, Michelle Rejwan, who has been a, a pr- producer at Lucasfilms for a lot longer uh, than, say, John Favreau has, and who uh, knows how to make things happen within this company? Um, and she's kind of, I think, been more uh, in the limelight as far as uh, potentially being the replacement for that type of role between John Favreau and Michelle Rejwan, uh, who do you think uh, would probably do a better job? Oh, well, hands down, I think who would do a better job would be uh, John Favreau. And um, the only reason I say that is that um, now it is being reported that Michelle, that Lucasfilm wants Michelle Rejwan. Uh, and I believe it's, it's covered by we got this covered um online that they they have sources that claim that lucasfilm if they were to replace uh kathleen kennedy it would be michelle rejuan and she currently right now is the senior vice president of live action development and production at lucasfilm and she's also part of kennedy's creative team for star wars content uh in live in live action at lucasfilm so yeah she does have that role however john favreau has more pro- producer credits as in his entire career and although he's only been with lucasfilm for the mandalorian project he's been with disney a lot longer since his role with iron man and such and as a director and a producer he has proven himself and is well loved within not only the uh not only within the fan communities but also the film community as well so as far as who do i think would do a better job i would have to give it to john favreau his record is better um it's more extensive the experience is there now do i wish michelle rejuan you know do would i like to give her a chance yeah it absolutely would but i hope lucasfilm doesn't do it for the fact that you know and take it for what you want i hope they just don't want to say like hey we had a female uh person in control we want to have another female take control and give it to michelle rejuan i want it to be earned it and but at the same time if she came out and said hey you know we understand we've heard it and you know we are taking a different creative direction that would make me feel better uh and because what kathleen kennedy has done even though we talked about this apples to oranges and apples to apples comparison kathleen kennedy has kind of turned the star wars fan base upside down on itself and 
uh, Disney as a company has been there before where they have to repair their images. They built these parks. They're not making any money. Blah, 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 blah. They look tough movies, you know, and they say, how do we get people to come to our parks? We need to make these movies and animations. We have to have a plan. You incorporate into your parks and all this stuff. And, you know, so this company has been here before. And now, with what we've seen in history, I need to see Lucasfilm make this jump as well because this isn't a golden age of Star Wars right now. This is a civil war of Star Wars. And it makes me sad. You know, I really like the video game Jedi Fallen Order. I really like Battlefront 2 has gone its support. Uh, I really like The Mandalorian, but the movies, the sequels, the joy I felt when Force Awakens came out. I watched it several times in the background while I did stuff at home, playing video games. I loved the movie. Um, I bought Rogue One on Blu-ray. I liked it a lot. When we came to... You know, the next movie with The Last Jedi and then with Solo and Rise of Skywalker, which I did enjoy. But like we said, the more you think about certain movies, the worse they get. It really makes me scared for this franchise as a whole. And I only think that that's why I'd give it to Jon Favreau is that he's proven and he's someone who would say, well, we're going to take it into a different direction and get it done. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, I definitely hope that they give it to him, um, whether or not he wants it. I, I think that they need somebody like that who's passionate and knows what they're doing and can be the next generation's Kevin Feige, even though I think that they're about the same age. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I hope that's the direction they take it in and not just, uh, I don't know, do what's best on paper necessarily with somebody who has more experience with Lucasfilm. Um, but who knows? We'll probably see, probably by the end of the year, they'll have a better idea of who's going to take uh, Kennedy's spot. Yeah, well, I'll have a better idea, but her, her stuff isn't isn't over until 2021. And I think you posed a question. Um, do I think that this is the camel that breaks the, or this is the straw that breaks the camel's back? And I say no. And the only reason why I say that is, is because just because you do, re- do rewrites doesn't mean... The product is lost now until we see that product um that's what the speculation is until i can see what the the labor has brought us you know i think we give her the benefit of the doubt um but i do think if she has one more screw up it'll definitely not be very favorable for her all right well let's get to a less grim and depressing story (laughs) (laughs) at least for us uh deadline reports that bad robot is to lead the Justice League Dark uh, property over at Warner Media, and so this is pretty cool with uh, JJ's uh, production company. So Warner Media and Bad Robot were rumored to be working on a production deal uh, since last year, uh, summer of 2019, uh, but now we know it is for the Justice League Dark stories for movies and television. And uh, for those of you who don't know about Justice League Dark, because I didn't know about it either this past week, I did some research. It's comprised of DC heroes with larger supernatural ties compared to the traditional Justice League and tackles issues beyond their range. So I guess you could consider it kind of like a Guardians of the Galaxy of this universe uh, as far as like, oh, it's we're going a little bit beyond and stuff like that. Although Superman is the strongest of the strong and he's not with this group. 
But in, if you know anything about DC characters, original characters include John Constantine, Madame Xanadu, Dead Man, Shade, The Changing Man, and Zatanna. I might have pronounced some of those wrong. Nope, you got it. Yes, thank you, John. <laughs> in 2017, Justice League Dark was an animated film released on digital and Blu-ray, and it receives a 7.1 on IMDb with the announcement of a sequel in 2019's Comic-Con, so that is a very good thing. Warner Media attempted to launch Justice League Dark onto the big screen in the beginning of 2012 as far as the project, not necessarily put it out, and they, were gonna, they had Guillermo del Toro attached to the project, but it fell through in 2015, uh, and now... Warner Media has eyed Bad Robot and JJ after the Rocky reception to Rise of Skywalker last month. I think that's an interesting thing. Maybe they lowered the price on, hey, JJ, we were going to give you like $50 million. We've lowered it to $30 million. I don't know. be interesting. But uh, after all this, they're still going to go ahead, which is pretty cool. Uh, I can't wait to see if that, uh, if that pays dividends. But my question to you, John, is do you think Warner Media's solution to giving DC fans a better comic book team up do you think this is what that is than the 2017's justice league i think it's their uh answer to something like marvel's guardians of the galaxies uh where uh, up until that point you had these a-list avengers uh forming to create that that big team up that we all know and love um and this was something more uh kind of like an offshoot where they take these at the time d-list characters that nobody really knew anything about i mean no one knew who Groot was in 2012 and suddenly um it's become this central part of the marvel universe um that's tied into all these other franchises and i think that's what they're trying to do where they take these lesser known characters and bring them all into the spotlight and they've kind of dipped their toes into some of these types of characters uh with the keanu reeves uh john constantine movie and also the matt ryan adaptation on tv and the arrowverse and his on on his own short-lived tv show for a while um and then they've also developed that swamp thing tv show that they had to cancel after the first season i i believe it was because of budgetary reasons um which seemed like a great show and got pretty good reception for what it was um so they've they've dipped their toes into the horror genre um and i think dc is pretty well set up with that darker style that warrants something like this like a a story like this being told so what i'm curious about is how they're going to tie this in with the rest of the dceu and or dcceu whatever anyways um (laughs) (laughs) so many so many eus oh god um and so we've talked about that before of 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 the properties that are coming out now how they're all tied together uh how many individual universes there are and and whether or not they're going to bring things in down the road um but in that justice league dark batman was a pretty central figure and being the detective behind why uh hundreds of people were dying throughout gotham city and that led to uh dead man being uh or dead man uh possessed batman's body for a while and uh, he just was left with the word constantine which then propelled him to go find john constantine bring this team together uh, uh, kind of delve into more of the supernatural elements and he brought up uh superman why if he's the strongest uh in the justice league why isn't he involved in this um gonna go ahead just nerd out for a second here but with me on a rant but uh superman's main weakness is magic that's why he can fight with shazam and shazam can hold his own um 
so as far as this goes, it's it's supposed to be more gritty, down to earth, uh, detective story, while also introducing all these darker horror magical elements into the DC universe. Um, so what I was thinking is potentially it could potentially lead to a connection with Robert Pattinson Batman. Um, with that being a primary primary detective story, maybe this would be a good uh, offshoot for that, bringing in more detective-focused Batman into this type of universe, which I would be sad about them recasting Constantine again, because I think Matt Ryan did a phenomenal job, or has done a phenomenal job with the role. Um, and in my eyes, he's the, he is John Constantine, I think, as much as Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. So I, I don't know, like with this being kind of a new property, with somebody like JJ taking over the the helm of this, do you have any doubts about this? Are you concerned about this in any way with JJ producing this type of movie? Not necessarily directing, but maybe just producing. For movies and television? Yes. I you know, that's a good question after The Rise of Skywalker. Um and I, I my answer to that is I really cannot speculate. Um, because of the reason, the, um, the recent work that he's done with the rise of Skywalker, there were a lot of chefs had their hands in the pot. So as Chris Terrio had just had described, who was his co-writer on the, uh, scripts for rise of Skywalker, where the executive were like, Hey, add this and add that. And they were like, okay. Um, so it couldn't really be made in their way and they were fixing a script anyways. So, I will give uh, JJ a pass on Rise of Skywalker because it did not do well at the box office despite having a billion dollar mark. It is quite disappointing for that trilogy. I will look back instead to Force Awakens and some of JJ's television series that he's done since that time. I think JJ, with what I can, I said I couldn't judge him really too much from it, but I would say between being unfavorable and favorable i'm more favorable to him getting this right um but i still have i'm still reserved about it i still don't know uh so for right now i think people don't have to freak out completely about bad robot and jj producing the justice league dark uh especially with dc kind of changing their direction in the past two years where it's kind of like hey we're gonna put these movies out here um and really just hope for the best rather than be like hey Zack snyder's at the helm of everything it'll be okay i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna say it's more favorable than unfavorable but i'm still in the middle yeah I, like just given his track record i think he's really good at fan service and reigniting franchises like he did with star wars like he did with star trek um I still stand behind the fact that I think he has an issue with follow through and endings as a whole. Um, but yeah. I think with something like this, it could be a way for them to reignite the interest in justice league and th the DC characters as a whole. Um, I hope that they lean in more with the horror elements of this series. Um, and the no, absolutely not. Well, and that's that's the problem. Like, I, I hope that they do, but with somebody like him behind this, I don't know that he has the the will or the the drive necessarily to go to that darker side of things. Because um, even with something like Lost, where they there was a lot of 
darkness that they could have gone into i think it was still a little a little lighthearted and campy to some degree um but i i'm genuinely curious to see if this is going to be its standalone project kind of like its own little pocket universe of the justice league dark characters or if this is just him overseeing this branch which then connects into the greater dc universe overall um because i i think dc has a real problem right now with with splitting themselves off too much which is then going to hinder them from later on tying anything together without a major shakeup like like a story tie in like flashpoint or something but um, we did we did say we did say in an earlier podcast that if this is their plan moving forward they could still be successful from having a fragmented universe not trying to they don't have to do the marvel thing yeah you know yeah it just i think it depends on what their long-term plans are and if they want to do something connected in the long run or if they want to keep this just as a standalone thing where it's its own universe it's its own entity and really want to make this world the best it can be as long as i mean man as long as they tell a really good story that's compelling and has good character developments and uh drives the audience into theaters or into whatever streaming service they want to produce this on i i think it would be a success i hope but i i can't i th- i think it's gonna have to i think we are have to wait and see when they bring a director into this and a writing staff and start casting and really get a better idea of what this is going to look like yeah that's a good point we'll have to see who they bring in who they raise from the dead because if robert zemeckis is coming back that can someone dig up uh, Kubiak? Kubrick. St- Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Oh, my God. This could be like a Shining. Oh, boy. I, it could I, be. You know, you know, let me derail this. We're towards the end of this podcast. Let me derail this for a moment. You said scary movies. You know, maybe they go in a darker tone. No, I don't want that. You know why? Because I was at the movies today, and I hate that they do extended horror previews. I absolutely despise it. I'm going into a movie with a different feel. If I'm going to watch a horror film, fine. Put up a horror film preview for me. If I'm going to go see the Teletubbies, fine. Put on uh, put on a preview for like the Frozen 400. I don't care which movie it is. If I'm going to see a non-horrific movie, don't put a horrific... Don't put a horror preview for me. I, I, yes, I know I sound like a little bit of a, of a bigoty bitch right now, but <laughs> I just, I just don't like horror films and don't put it on my preview if I'm not going to see a Blumhouse movie, you know, I, it's just why when I see a Blumhouse movie, fine, put it up there. But besides that, no, like it just makes me uneasy before my movie and it, it annoys me, you know, it's just knowing your market, know, know your market. I was in a movie theater with a bunch of old, a bunch of old people, a lot of old people. Well, you're they in did Florida, like, I think so that's why. Yeah, that's because where I live. And it was like a preview for the boy too, whatever, like with this creepy doll and stuff like that. It's just while I am, I do want to be selfish and say that like, oh man, I'm just not into it, which is true. But like, wh- like, what is it gonna take? What if one of these old people dies? watching this preview because they're so scared out of their mind is that what it'll take for them for the movie industry to pull these previews for horror films look man i think if the older people can get through a preview you can man up and grow a pair 
and you can get through it as well. See, that's the argument I knew you'd have against me. I was prepared for this. You know what I have? To, you know what I have to say? You know huh. what I have to say to that? I hope that a preview before every porno movie out there on the online, it's Peppa the Pig. That's what it feels like to me. It just it's out of place and it's not right. Wow, I I'm a little upset that you thought about me when thinking about previews for porn. So not, that's that's not what I said. You're twisting this. <laughs> You're twisting this. I'm just saying as it's 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 just in that vein of like, you know, why? Why? I, I just that is my rant, my derail rant, because it, it actually did annoy me today, even though it was a good movie. Speaking of things that we've seen, John, what are you watching? Thank you for finally bringing it home here. Um, oh, God. Okay, so I, I've been uh, watching the season or the final season for The Good Place as it's been coming out on NBC. Um, super sad to see it go, but I it's such an incredible show, and everybody behind the, the show, the cast, everybody has been doing such a great job with it. It's definitely a classic Mike Shore uh, TV show, uh, just like Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine and his his work on The Office. Um, I think it's going to go down in history as a it's just a classic comedy. And I can't wait to see, because they keep hyping up the finale, so I can't wait to see how it all ends and what they do with it and twists. Um, I just, uh, just got to a part where they're leaving their current place of residence and going on to a better place Mm. i think without giving too much away um but it's ah man it's just gonna be a lot of feels for that final episode and i don't know that i'm ready for it um but chris what are you watching uh so i finished the witcher we did a review on that so please check out that video our review of The Witcher Season 1. I really enjoyed it. Really great. I know I already plugged it, but plug it again. And then today, that movie that I saw before I went on, you know, at, at before the movie, I had that tangent thought. Uh, I saw The Gentleman, which is a Guy Ritchie film. Um, if you like uh, thrillers, gangsta movie, uh, gangster movie, go there see you it. Go. Uh, I really enjoyed the story i really enjoyed matthew mcconaughey was stunning charlie hunnam was stunning colin farrell great uh the cast of characters henry golding was good uh no one was dull like uh, uh, hugh grant's character was remarkably annoying but fun to watch it was good it was really good it was a fun ride do it's not like an Oscar performance, but it's definitely one of those movies that you could rewatch over and over because it's funny and it's got good action. Hmm. So I'll definitely have to check that one out. Probably when it comes out on Redbox. Ah, uh, you should bring Jill to it. You think she'd like it? You know, I think she would. The comedy there's there's comedy within stuff, and the the way the story is weaved is. Uh, it's unique to storytelling. Like it's been done before, uh, and I definitely think it makes it more pal- palatable for audiences. And it's it's not like a work of art or anything. If anything, it takes away from it. But it, it's definitely one of those the the way the story 
is read is it's just very very natural very much like being at the dinner table being told this crazy gangster story and i i think most people would enjoy it i think even jill would enjoy it hmm well we'll see i guess yeah maybe see? i'll try and pitch it to her get her to watch the trailer and make her watch the colin farrell bit where he's yelling at the little kids and it's funny <laughs> okay yes but anyways, uh, thank you for listening to the Summit Up Podcast. That's it for this weekend. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye, bye guys. Bye.